welcome, or maybe welcome back to the Priority Sale Podcast. I am Jesse Lafine, your host, and today I am joined by my colleague and Priority Sale co-founder, Mike Rendell. Hi, Mike. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I always thought that we might. Uh, today's topic is something that is near and dear to both of our hearts, and it actually comes from a comment that we hear a lot in the field from the sales uh, reps and the sellers and the business developers uh, that we talk to and work with. Uh, and what we hear often is, you know, we just don't present a lot. And maybe that I'd, I'd caveat that with, we just don't present a lot anymore. And so today's topic is, why don't we present anymore? And I, I think, Mike, before we dive into that, what I really want to do is sort of, you know, give some high level merits of presenting in the first place. I, I think this is something that we don't necessarily sit down and think about doing, uh, but there are really, really good reasons why we want to present as sellers. Well, sure. I mean, if, if we think back to when we learned things as kids, um, we remember that a lot of what helped us learn was visual aids, right? And, and when we're giving a lot of information, the brain needs different ways of learning. Uh, it needs different ways of, of soaking information. So um, one of the best reasons I think to present is, is to, to be able to give those visual aids or visual cues um, to not only help explain um, what it is we're talking about, but also to help trigger emotion, uh, help uh, trigger relief and help to really guide the conversation to where it needs to go. So I think that's that's a great point, uh, that last one, guiding the conversation, because I think there are lots of benefits for the buyer or the prospect, I should say, uh, to receive a presentation, but there's also a lot of benefits for the seller in actually putting that together in the first place. Absolutely. A lot of people hear me say often that as a seller, I believe that we have a responsibility to clearly communicate um, those the things that we're trying to inform people of, teach people, uh, or even sell people. And uh, it's our job to make sure that's consumable. And too often, we make it overly complicated. We present too much information, and we walk away from that meeting with more questions than than um, we have answers. So. I think that the act of putting together a presentation, the act of outlining a presentation is good exercise and a good tool for preparing for a meeting the way you should. Which is something that we find lacking in the real world is that really, really deep preparation for every single moment of truth uh, with, with a prospect. So we understand some of the reasons why we want to present. It's better for the prospect. They're going to receive those visual aids they are going to be more memorable, frankly, for the prospect. And it's better for the seller because it forces us, if nothing else, to do that preparation. So maybe that's a really good construct. Uh, some of the reasons on the seller side, why we fail to present and maybe some of the reasons on the buyer side too. Let's, let's start there. Let's start with the buyer. Um, because I do think that there is some pressure on the sellers or some signals, maybe is a better word, from the from the prospect uh, that sellers pick up on and therefore think, well, maybe they don't want me to present. Sure. You know, I, I hear it a lot. My, you know, my, the people I talk to, they don't want these fancy pitch decks. 
Um, they want to have a conversation, uh, you know, or, you know, it just, they get in my way. I just need to be in the room and, and I need to be able to talk uh, and do my thing. And a presentation slows me down. I, I think those are common misconceptions of, about presenting. And it's maybe no surprise that as a prospect, I don't want to sit through the fifth presentation about how many presses or how many shifts or what year you were founded or that awesome slide about your founder who did something neat in 1923. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth is, is it's not that people don't want to hear presentations or, or receive presentations. Uh, it's that they don't want to hear the same stuff over and over and over. And they certainly don't want to hear about anything um, that isn't relevant to them. Right doesn't connect with a pain or a priority that they have that needs to be solved. Um, they're thinking about how they need to get back on the floor or they need to go do their job um, because, you know, look, we always say that, that uh, it's like going to a party. Nobody likes to hang out with the person that only talks about themselves, right? That's the person you avoid. You go to, to people that you can learn things from. And this is exactly the same thing. They just don't want to hear it again. So just like there are these constructs and, and misconceptions on the seller side of why I shouldn't do presentations, there's you could say there's the same constructs and, and misconceptions about why I don't want to receive a presentation. And the truth of all of it is, is nobody wants to receive or give another dog shit presentation. I've always said the definition of spam is unwanted content. Uh, and it's funny that we only apply that to email because you can spam somebody with a presentation just as easy. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. Very clear. So I, I don't think that this is all in the prospects, though. I mean, they aren't sending us, uh, you know, or, or I should say they aren't accepting meeting appointments, uh, saying absolutely no presentations. Uh, I think there are signals there that we pick up. But there's a lot of things that sellers do as well uh, that kind of justify that or kind of play into that or uh, just things that, that we could and should be doing uh, so that we do get that opportunity to present more. Yeah, I think it's a matter of confidence and it's a matter of um, whether or not a, a, a salesperson walks out of that room or, or off of that Zoom feeling like they accomplished something, right? And uh, you, can only, you can only hammer the same nail so many times before that becomes ineffective, right? So I think that when they aren't equipped with the right presentation, when they aren't equipped for that meeting, that they go through this cycle of, of disengagement even themselves, right? I don't want to present this again. It doesn't do anything. Um, so without the proper tools and, and um, something that you're proud of, why would you ever actually want to continue to present that? So I think by default, they say, just get me in the room and we'll talk and we'll have a conversation. Um, and it is true that the best presentation is a conversation, but if that conversation is meandering, if it doesn't have, um, uh, you know, a, a, a strategy for what needs to be accomplished in that meeting, then it doesn't accomplish anything. So this is why presentations are important because they they let us map out the conversation that we want and need to have. Uh, they help us prepare for spaces where we need to engage uh, in two-way dialogue or where we need to do reconnaissance from our, our uh, prospect. And ultimately, as I said before, more than anything, they just help us communicate what it is we need to communicate so that our client really clearly understands why we're even talking to them in the first place. 
I think another thing that sellers get wrong is that they don't assume or they don't ask that they can present. And that sounds really, really basic. And I mean, frankly, it is. Uh, but just putting on the invite, hey, there's going to there's gonna be a five-minute presentation. There's going to be a seven-minute presentation. Whatever it is, um, is a really good way to set that expectation and uh, have people, you know, really pay attention to what's, what's happening around them. Uh, by the way, that presentation doesn't always have to necessarily be a PowerPoint deck, especially one with 100 words on every slide. It absolutely doesn't. And, and you're right. I mean, that, what you said about um, sending signals that that's going to happen is just another way of taking control of the meeting, right? And putting yourself as a seller in, in a position to influence and, and um, uh, I don't, dictate the way that conversation is going to go. So uh, it puts you in a position of authority. It says that you're uh, going to show up with something to say. And, and something to, um, to present. And why wouldn't somebody want to hear that, right? Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that it's really important and, um, and it's easy to do. I also think, uh, like you said, it doesn't have to be a PowerPoint deck. I certainly have been in, in, in positions where I walked in thinking I was about to give a presentation and there's no screen in the room, right? So what do you do? Well, the truth of the matter is, is I still had prepared myself in, within the construct of, of those that presentation. So I still knew I, the pitch that I needed to make. I didn't have the visual aids, but you can walk to a, a whiteboard uh, and, and diagram things, or you can just make sure that you're, you're leaving room for those things that are complex to, to come back and, hey, next time, let me show you some of these things, or I'll email you some of these diagrams to help understand these things. Beyond all that, you know, I know a lot of people use what they call placemats. Um, which we've created for clients in the past and, and I've even used, which is a printed document when you're in person um, that, that does the same thing. It just gives you visual cues and um, a certain hierarchy to the way that conversation is going. In some instances, uh, we've even seen people pitch off an index card on a conference floor, uh, just yeah. in terms of having something to guide that conversation. So I, I like what you said earlier the best presentation is a conversation, but I also think we need to qualify that with the best conversation has the right guardrails around it to get us where we need to go. Right. I, we, um, just like we have a responsibility to, to clearly communicate, we have a responsibility as sellers to also propel the deal and to keep it moving forward. Otherwise, we're wasting everybody's time. So if I have a meeting that is unproductive, um, the chances that that, that person is going to let me come back in for another uh, meeting uh, are low. And if they do let me like, come in, then I'm just going to come waste their time again. So how am I, how am I uh, advancing uh, the cell? Because advancing the cell means that I'm uh, advancing a solution to the problem that, that I'm there to solve in the first place. And isn't that a, a pure way to think about it, Jesse, is it that sure really is. what we're there to do is to solve a problem. And if we don't communicate it clearly, and if we don't keep uh, the solution moving forward, then what are we doing there in the first place? You know, something really interesting about the sudden or the, um, I'll, I'll say the uh, medium term and then the meteoric rise of uh, video conferencing over the past five years uh, is that 
you know, we hear a lot about like Zoom fatigue, right? Like we see everybody's faces on, well, hopefully you're seeing people's faces on the screen. If not, we could probably do an entire episode about that. Uh, but uh, you're, you're seeing people's faces on screen all the time. Uh, you're having these Brady Bunch conversations where everybody's sort of, um, you know, not on mute or maybe there are technical problems and things like that. But one of the advantages and one of the opportunities that I think that this video conferencing era really has done for us is really given that presentation a lot more prominence again. It gives a third object for everybody to focus on. Uh, it really helps you convey that message. And what's really interesting about presenting in this medium in the, in the video conferencing era is that if I'm standing in a room, I'm standing in front of my content and my content is on a 70 inch screen, right? So my content is about 28 inches high. I'm about, I don't know what I am, like 69, 70 inches tall, somewhere in there. Uh, I'm a lot bigger than my content is the point I'm trying to make. Right. I'm probably three times taller than the content I'm presenting. But in this medium, that's absolutely not the case. Uh, the content I'm presenting takes up the entire screen. I get 200 pixels. My content gets 1,000. Yeah, man, there, there are nine things I want to react to because you just made a great a bunch of great points there. Uh, the It used to be that we would, that I the way I would talk about presentations was, this should serve as a backdrop to you because you're the most important thing in the room and you want attention on you. And that was the case when we were in conventional uh, selling environments and boardrooms and, and that kind of thing. But um, uh, things have shifted. And as a guy who uh, you know leads with visuals and, um, and, and likes to use those visuals, I couldn't love Zoom meetings more. Uh, and, and I was there before it was forced upon us. I like a Zoom meeting because, again, it puts me in control, right? I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not um, having to compete against all the other distractions that are in the room. Um, I am the distraction in the room. I am the, the focal point of the conversation. And I can literally control people's screens and what they see. So now more than ever, though, with that fatigue, um, you know, I do think it's important to have a well-prepared, um, have well-prepared visual aids. Again, that also doesn't mean that you have to have a 19-slide deck. It may mean that you have three slides that you pull up in the right time in the conversation. But you have this tool that makes it easier to teach. Why not use it every opportunity that you can? So... Before we go, I'm I'm always remiss to sort of say this is you know why things are bad, uh, and and I want to leave here with some some pro tips, if you will. Uh, what what can we do uh, to present more? And I think I'll go back to my really basic point just to get it out of the way, which is tell them you're going to present. Just do it. Just tell Let's them. I I think that's great, and I I think the other piece of it is to stop stop thinking about building a presentation as a homework assignment um, and, or, it, you know, think of it as a way to help you communicate, right? It shouldn't be a drag to put it together. And I think for a lot of people, it really is. Um, so think about how those, those visuals can help support the arguments you need to make. Uh, think about how they can help consuming that information easier uh, and build the way you talk about it around those things. And then you'll end up in a, in a place where you have something that you're proud of and you actually want to present, right? And I, I think that really, when we were talking about why people don't do it anymore, 
or why people back off of it, I think that's probably at the core of that issue, Jesse, is that nobody wants to stand up there and, and deliver something that they aren't proud of. Um, so all it takes is a little bit of time, a little bit of thought, and more than anything, a little bit of prepare, preparation that puts you in a place to uh, be successful with it. Yeah, I think great content solves almost all those problems, right? We don't have prospects that don't want to hear from us anymore because the content's great. We want to present and we want to ask for it because the content's great. And, you know, when we do it and we do it well, it has a, a really powerful effect on that meeting. So I think what we're trying to say is that if you have content that you don't like, don't present it. Instead, Go make content that does facilitate that conversation that you want to have. Uh, I think your prospects will appreciate it. I think it'll be way more fun for you. And it will definitely help make those moments of truth way more memorable than without it. And now it is time for my favorite segment in which I attempt to throw a curveball, which I was never actually able to throw, but I attempt to throw a curveball at my guest uh, and ask them, is this a thing? So the thing I want to debate about today is uh, actually tangentially related to the, the topic at hand, which was uh, why, why don't we present anymore, but is educating your prospect a thing. It is a thing. Um, but um, do we need to educate and how much do we need to educate? I, I think is, is really what we have to ask ourselves. And so, yes, we need to educate people, but there are some caveats I, I put on this, I think, right? You, you, um, you don't need to educate them about everything, do you, Jesse? Uh, I would assume things like features and specifications and stuff like that, table stakes kind of things probably don't need a lot of education. There's always more time to talk about those things. And if a client wants, wants to know about this, those things, they're going to ask you about them, right? So there's always more time to do that. I think you're, you're wasting your time talking features and benefits. So if you need to educate them, what you need to educate them in, on is the things that they don't already know or the things that they don't readily have access to by doing a, a simple Google search. That's a really interesting point. And I think it maybe so I was ready to come into this hard as educating your prospect is not a thing, but you just made a point that makes me wonder if maybe it is. And that is the difference between information, which is readily available, which they can find, which they can go get, which they have a ton of, versus insight, which is way more valuable than that. I think you're on the right track there. What's interesting about the idea of education is that the point of education is to teach something, somebody, right? And that's what really unlocked it there when you said something they don't already know. And I think yeah. when we think about educating, we think about giving more information and what we really should be thinking about more is maybe giving more insight. That's a good way to put it. Right. And, and we, when we talk about this amongst ourselves, we talk about the, the perils of being responsive because we, we kind of fall into this trap of thinking that, that more information makes better decisions, faster decisions, or more certainty. 
Um, but you and I both know that's not true. More information equals more questions, more answers and options. And, and interestingly enough, greater buyer remorse and second guessing on the decision that they made. So, you know, if, if, I, if I look at it that way and, and whether or not it's a thing, being responsive and, and providing tons of information, no good. Being prescriptive, providing insights and giving clear recommendations, that's what they want from us. So your verdict. Is, yeah, so is it a thing or not? Um, I, I think the, uh, the essence of that statement is not a thing. I think it's an old world selling crutch um, that, to think that the client um, doesn't know what uh, needs to know um, everything I know before they're equipped or qualified to buy. I think that's really dangerous logic and, um, and, and needs to stop. So I would say not a thing. Uh, my uh, primitive brain came into this conversation uh, thinking it's not a thing and who am I to fight my primitive brain? So I agree with you. It is not a thing. That's it, man. Everybody told me this was going to be fun, but I love it. Let's do another one. <laughs> You can find out more about the Priority Sale by visiting theprioritysale.com. That's also where you can go contact us to tell us your thoughts or just why our opinions are very bad. Or if you like something you heard and think others would like it too, share it with a friend or give us a rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. The Priority Sale podcast is produced by Tiffany Jordan and Jesse Levine. Editing and original music by Mark Ertle. Priority Sales is a registered trademark of Revenue Path Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.